Amen. Luke chapter 15. And I want to pick up in this message where I left off last week. We dealt with the entire chapter, or we're dealing with the entire chapter of the book of Luke. And the message is entitled, Lost and Found. And so I want to just deliver the second part of this message today because I believe that the last part of this, this is probably one of the most famous parables that Jesus told. And I'm not going to take time to reread all of it. Uh, but I do want to start off reading at verse 11. And we're going to read down through uh, just a little ways until verse 25. And we're going to see, and, and the whole point of this, uh, these sermons has been to help us to understand the compassion that God has for the lost. In fact, when we read the very first, starting at verse 1, you understand the context of why Jesus presented these three parables about something that was lost. And it was this, it was the Pharisees uh, and the, the teachers of the law of the day didn't like the fact that Jesus was hanging out with the tax collectors and the sinners and those who seemed to be the outcasts according to religion. It's a dangerous place for religion, and I'm talking about pure undefiled religion that the Bible talks about. It's a dangerous place for us to get to the place where we say, that our religion is really and has to be only for my kind, whatever that means. That somehow we get to a place where, you know, religion, it, it, you know, somebody comes in and maybe they haven't bathed in a week because they, are, they don't have anywhere to go. And somewhere along the way we get to the point where our religion causes us to kind of stand at arm's length. Not because of the smell, but because that somehow we feel as though, you know, we have, we have arrived. Brothers and sisters, we haven't arrived. And Jesus wanted to teach his disciples as well as these religious leaders a very important lesson. And it, it summed up in the words of Jesus on one occasion when he said, I didn't come to call the righteous, but I came for those who were sick. I didn't come for those who were doing well. They don't need what it is that I have to give. Those who are serving me, they don't, they don't need what it is that I have to give. I have come to call the, the sinners to repentance. We need to understand that we are living in a world where there are people all around us on a daily basis that we come in contact with that need to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They need Jesus. Are we going to give it to them? Jesus wanted to let these religious leaders know that what they ought to been, should have been doing is they should have been sitting down having a meal with these tax collectors and these sinners and all the people that they were shoving to one side, that they were the ones who should be doing this. And Jesus is displaying this in these parables. But we see some very important things. Last week we talked about the lost sheep and the fact that it displays for us the power of compassion. And then we talked about uh, the lost coin and the fact that it displays the power of perseverance. Where the woman, she lit a lamp in her house and swept the whole house until she found her lost coin. And now we come to the lost son and starting in verse 11... 
The Bible says this. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and filled, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Brothers and sisters, I believe with all my heart, this probably is one of the most famous parables that Jesus has said and has, has taught and taught in Scripture. And yet, I believe with all my heart that as we look at this passage of Scripture, at times we can see ourselves reflected in this younger son. The time where we wanted to go off and do our own thing and we wanted to run away and just somehow feed the flesh and feed the desires of the flesh and we ran off and we did what we wanted to do only to find that we ended up in a pig pen and realized that we needed to come back. This parable displays for us two important and powerful things. First, it is the power of patience. And secondly, the power of forgiveness. We need to understand this, that God is absolutely patient. The son, the younger son, comes to his dad on this one particular day and says, you know what, dad, I'd like to have my share of the, the inheritance now. I'd like you to just kind of give me what, what's coming to me. I know it's coming at some point, Dad, but, you know, today is the day. I'd like to have it. So the father said, sure, no problem. His older son continued to work with him, and, and they were both there, and he said, this is wonderful. I, go ahead and do it. Let's, let's go ahead. But the Bible says sometime after that, the younger son said, you know what, Dad, see ya. He took all of his money. And he decided to go off and do what he wanted to do. Brothers and sisters, I know that we talked about last week the lost sheep and the shepherd going out and how the shepherd searched for the one lost sheep. And then we talked about the lost coin, how the lady lit the lamp and she swept the whole house. And, and there she was able to find that coin that she had lost and she was so happy and she celebrated and, 
And Jesus displays for us or he shows us in the parable of the lost sheep how it is that in heaven there is rejoicing for the one that comes home. And now we come to the lost son and the lost son is going off and you would expect Oftentimes parents go through this. You would expect that somehow the father was going to run out after him. But here's what we see. There is a point where you have to display patience. There are times where we must go after people. And there are times where we must be patient. I remember growing up in church and being in my dad's church. I, you know, from time to time we get to the end of a service. And, you know, as a teenager I was not a perfect kid. In fact, I was so imperfect that on one occasion, my older brother referred to me as sort not the outcast of the family, but kind of the guy who just did his own thing. That's what I get for being six years apart from my next sibling. I was like an only child in the end, and they all, they all agree with me on that. They think I was spoiled, but, uh, but you know, I, I was not a perfect kid. And in fact, in my teenage years, I rebelled. I rebelled against God. I rebelled against my parents. I rebelled against everything that I knew to be right, that I knew deep down in my heart to be right. I rebelled against it, didn't want it. But I remember on occasion being in church, and that was the one thing my parents said, look, we're going to church, and so are you, young man. I don't care. We don't care if you're away from God. We don't. Well, they did care. But, you know, in, in a manner of speaking, in a manner of speaking, we don't care where you are with God. You're going to be in church because they said, well, you know, maybe something's going to happen there. Something's not going to happen if he's outside of the building. Maybe something will happen inside. So you might not be serving the Lord, but you will come to church. And I did. And I remember being in church and just being there with my little attitude and, you know, that I paid all the five cents for and, and paid way too much. And I, I just was, you know, with, with the whole prodigal attitude. I want what I want. I want to do my thing. I don't want to be like my parents. I don't want to be like my dad who was a pastor. <laughs> Hello. Here I am. I didn't want that. I remember this one particular service. I, I don't remember what had happened, but I know, you know, at the end of the service, the Holy Spirit was really moving, and, and I still had an attitude. The Holy Spirit was moving, and I still had my rotten little attitude. And one saint comes up behind me, one dear sister, and she comes up behind me, and she grabs me by the shirt, behind the neck, and says, come on, come on. And she pulled me up to the front, a place where I did not want to go. She pulled me up to the altar and began to pray for me. And I knew better than to make a scene. My father was the pastor. My mother was sitting at the organ. I knew better than that, and I didn't. I just bowed my head reverently and respectfully to this kind, dear saint who had dragged me to the altar thinking that somehow their dragging me was going to make it happen. And it didn't. I remember from time to time my parents saying to me, we're praying for you, son. And that used to drive me bananas. 
I knew what they meant. We are praying for you to repent. <laughs> We're praying for you to, to get right with God. We're praying for you to quit hanging out with the friends that you're hanging out with who are dragging your soul down. We are praying for you to somehow come to a place of realizing that you need Jesus Christ. And it drove me crazy, but they said it anyway. And you know what? It got into my spirit. It wasn't the person who dragged me to the altar. It was the patient father and mother who lovingly spoke to me, who lovingly stood back and waited for the Holy Spirit to do his work and to do what only the Holy Spirit can do. Listen, I, 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 there have been people, I'm sure, from time to time, maybe in your life, who have come alongside of you and said, come on, let's get to the altar. And you, you don't want to pray. You don't feel like it. And there are times where you just, you know, I don't feel like doing that. And I'm here to tell you that in the end, brothers and sisters, when it all comes down to it, it is only going to be the work of the Holy Spirit as we stand and we say, Lord, we're going to be patient with this individual. You see, you can't come alongside of everybody and go and grab them. It doesn't work that way. I know it worked that way from the first parable. The shepherd went out and found the lost one, but they didn't know how to get back. There are those who know how to get back and they don't want to get back and you say that's tearing me up I can't handle it it's my family it's my friends it's my co-workers it's my neighbor it's somebody that I know they know the word of God they know where they're supposed to be I want to just go get them but listen more can be done if you will be like the father in this, in this story that will stand back and be patient and begin to pray and say, Lord, you do the work in their lives. You begin to move in their heart and in their spirit. And Lord, one day something's going to happen where they're going to come to the end of themselves. The power of patience worked in this situation. Because the son got out there and the you know, we don't know how much money he had, but the Bible seems to call it wealth. So it wasn't just a little bit of chump change. You know, dad didn't just divide up a couple hundred bucks between the two sons and says, sorry, boys, I've really worked hard. This is all I got to give you. It, it seems to indicate he, this guy was loaded. And he went out there and he got in his fine car and he sped away. Not really. There's no car there, but yeah. <laughs> You know, putting it where we are. He, he got out there and he got out and he saw all the bright lights of all the clubs that were open and late at night and all the places that you can go and all the things that you can do. And instantly the man had friends. Because when you got money, you got friends. And before he knew it, he had not one red cent in his pocket. Nothing. But you would think that he ran out of money. You'd think, he, you know, he picked up the phone, Dad, can you wire me a couple hundred bucks? Well, of course, we know that couldn't happen at that time. But you would think at that point he would go home. Okay, it ran out. I wasted it all. This was dumb. But the height of his stupidity, and this is where sin, sin is so, it, it, it affects people's minds in such a, such a dreadful way. It takes you further than you want to go. Once you get on the train, you, you want to be able to somehow stop the train, but the locomotive is going faster and faster and faster, and you can't jump off. 
It takes you further down the road than you ever anticipated that it would take you and you want to go. And so all of a sudden, somehow, the, the train begins to slow down a little bit, a little bit, and, and you realize you're in a place you never, ever intended to be. This is where this son went. He hired himself out. Clearly, this was a Gentile that he hired himself to. Because now he's feeding pigs. Pigs were not raised by Jews. They don't eat pork from, from of old to now. They will not eat an unclean animal. What they consider to be unclean according to the law of Moses. Here this, this young man. And this is, this is where Jesus is really painting the picture for, for he, those who were listening to him. This man is now feeding animals that they wouldn't touch. He is now so low in his sin. And all the while, we don't get the picture of the father going out trying to find his son. We don't get that picture. We're going to get a more beautiful picture in a moment. But we, we understand that this young man comes to a place where he just, it took him further and further than he, than he wanted to go. And brothers and sisters, this is where sin has so many people. And if we're not careful, our religion will cause us. You know, I'm sure when this guy started back home and he came to his father's house, he didn't smell nice. He'd been hanging out with pigs. And the Bible says that he longed, he was hungry, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. And the Bible says nobody gave him anything. Imagine that. He's starving. And all of a sudden, he comes to the end of himself. I remember the time where as a teenager, 17 years old, I finally came to the end of myself. And I realized, man, if I don't pull it together here, if I don't pull it together, God only knows where I'll be. God only knows the horror stories that they will tell about me. And I came to the place of repentance at 17. Yes, I struggled in my senior year of high school. I struggled still. And yet I knew deep down in my heart that God had his hand on my life. I knew deep down in my heart that God had a better plan for me than just somehow playing baseball or somehow doing all of these things that I had dreams in my heart of doing. I knew that God wanted me to serve him. And whatever vocation it is, young person, that God wants you to serve him in, you need to serve him in it don't do don't do it without him don't think that for a minute you can just handle it without God no God wants to use you in a mighty way God wants to use all of us in a mighty way where we are but this young man came to the end of himself and he said you know what this hired servants have it better than I have it the hired servants, they, they're, they're in my father's house. They're clothed, they're fed, they're bathed. They're, all of these things, they're, they're not hungry. He says, I'm going to go back to my father's house and ask to be a hired servant. Nothing more. I don't want anything more, but I just want to be near my father. Brothers and sisters, can you see it coming? We see it in this passage. This young man, the Bible says started toward home. And here's what it says. The Bible says this in verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, think about it. I don't know if his dad went outside on a daily basis. 
and looked down the street, looked down the road to see if his son was on his way back or if it just happened that somehow the father was out there and looked out and says, wait a minute. You know, commentators make a big deal about how, you know, how it was that the father recognized his son coming down the road from afar, far off. And, and they, they worry about stuff like that. I don't worry about it. And one, one commentator says, well, he, he recognized him because Jesus wanted him to in the parable. And that might be so. But, you know, when it all comes down to it, parents, you know your children. You know, you know their mannerisms. You know how they walk. You know, you know their voice. They get on the phone. You know their voice. You know when you see them coming, you know that walk. You know that's my son. That's my daughter. I, I, I see from, from a distance away. You might have bad, bad eyesight, but, but you can still somehow recognize that's my child. That's my son. That's my daughter. This father on the outside on, the, on that particular day looks down the road and and he knows, he knows this son is, his son is coming back. Finally, this son, the, 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 the one who broke his heart, the one who went off and did his own thing, who decided that he wanted to serve himself and nobody else. Now he's coming home. Imagine for a minute how you would feel as a parent. A lot of times we run into situations where parents, they don't know what to do with their children. They don't know what to do about one thing or another. And they don't know how to handle life. As kids go off and they do their own things, and they, they're out there. But I, I'm here to let you know, brothers and sisters, that will always be your child. And when they start to make their way back home, you know, I'm so grateful this story is not different. I'm so grateful that this story does not have a father standing there and say, you got something to say to me before you come in this house? Come on now. You, you, you want to come into my house? You got something to say to me now. How about I'm sorry? You know how we get, right? Yeah, yeah, you're all smiling at me because you know, you know we are like that. You better do some thinking. You better, you better, th you come under my roof. It's not going to be that way anymore. Oh, no. No, no, no. I don't find a conversation like that. Thank God. You see, when God sent Jesus to this earth to die for our sins, the picture of the cross and Jesus hanging on the cross and all the suffering that was there, that, brothers and sisters, paints the picture of how horrible and how wretched our sin really is. He saw this young man coming and he knew this kid has been down in the dumps. I'm not going to bury him even further. God doesn't do that with us. And I'm here to let you know the power of patience gives way to the power of compassion and the power of forgiveness. Because this father was patient. He waited and he waited and he waited until finally something began to stir on the inside. You see, you can't make it happen for somebody else. It's got to be the power of the Holy Spirit working in them, convicting them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment, and causing them to come to the place where they recognize they need a Savior. They need Jesus. And he sees him coming, and he runs to him. He runs to meet him. 
And the Bible lets us know that he throws his arms around him and he hugs him and he kisses him on the neck, that nasty, smelly neck. He kisses him. He hugs his son. He is so grateful to see him. The power of patience, brothers and sisters, goes a long way because I wonder sometimes if the father hadn't pounded the pavement and gone out and tried to find his son and tried to do all of that, that that somewhere along the way, the son might have gotten wind of it and said, let me move on to the next town. Let me avoid it. And it might have driven him further. But when we begin to have patience and we begin to pray and we begin to let God do his mighty work, work in people's lives who knows what can happen for the kingdom of God if we'll just yield to the spirit of God he was patient and it gave way to forgiveness you see the wonderful thing is this picture this parable also shows us the power of forgiveness you see the power of forgiveness is is that it is a renewing power There's cleansing when we're forgiven. Notice what the father does. Not long after he hugs his son, he says, go get him cleaned up. Get him. And there was certainly, I'm sure, a practical reason for that. But let's, come on, get get the finest robe. Let's put it on him. Let's, Let's clean this man up and let's bring him in and let's celebrate. The power of forgiveness is great. There are times we see people come and, and maybe we, you know, we see them come to the Lord and we know them and we know what they've, you know, they've done and what they've been doing and we know their horror stories and we, we kind of stand back and say, mm, yeah, we'll see. God help us if we ever do that. No, no, the power of forgiveness is so great. It's so wonderful. There is cleansing When we are forgiven, the son got cleaned up. He was given new clothes to wear. The old clothes are worthless to the father. The old clothes of sin, they're they're no good to him. He doesn't want those. He needs to to remove those. It's the new clothes that, that matters. We are to put off the old self and put on the new self. We are to come in and be like Christ. And when we come into the kingdom of God, you see, folks, Christianity is more than just a label. It's more than just saying, well, I'm a Christian. Well, you know, that doesn't really mean a great deal. What means most is, are you following him? Are you serving him? Have you cleaned up to the point where you're not going to go back into the same kind of mess that you were in. You see, forgiveness says, I forgive you, but I have a better way for you, a better plan in store for you. That's the power of his forgiveness. Now, the son said to him, I, I'm not worthy to be your, your son. I, I Just make me like one of your hired servants. Dad wouldn't hear anything about it. He wouldn't hear anything of it. He didn't want in any way for his son to be known just as a servant. And brothers and sisters, I'm here to let you know that when God allows us into his kingdom, you are his child. You have his attention. You have his love. You have his forgiveness. You have his joy. He pours into you. He lavishes it on you, as John tells us in the first epistle of John. It is a renewing power. He renews the mind. The mind of this young man had been on wages. The wages of sin, which he had finally realized was death. When he came to his father, he thought the old mindset of working 
for his ability, his right to be part of the family was going to come into play. I've got to work for it. I've got to earn it. No, you can't earn it. That father opened his arms and he showed his grace. He showed his mercy. He showed his love for his son. And he opened his arms and invited him back into the house and into the, 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 the home and a place where he says, now you're going to be safe. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to encourage you. I want you to know that, that it is a restoring power. The, the power of forgiveness is a restoring power. The Bible says that he put a ring on his finger. That ring signified an identity identification with the family an identification that he was not just a hired servant he was part of the family what great love has the father bestowed on us that we would be called the children of God brothers and sisters this kind of love is the love that he extends to each and every one of us why because he chooses to forgive he will forgive there was a young woman number of years ago who left home she became a companion of some street girls just some girls who hung out on the streets her mother went out far and wide to search for her and found nothing couldn't find any place but she decided that she would go to these places called the midnight missions where young people people could go in off the street find some shelter and so she put up her picture in one of those places where oftentimes the, the abandoned women or women of of the street would resort to many gave the picture a passing glance young one young woman walked in and just kind of stood there she lingered at the picture just began to look at it and look at it and the picture that she had put up on the wall that was there was not the child, was not the young woman who had disappeared. It was actually a picture of the mother. Put her face up on the wall. You would think, well, we hand out flyers, you hand out for, for the child, the missing child. But she put, had put her own picture on there and had put, put up on the wall. And as this young woman looked up, she was looking her mother in the face. And as she looked at it, all that came through, you've heard the expression, the picture paints a thousand words. In that moment, she saw her mother's face, saddened. But there was a forgiving look in that picture. There was a forgiveness that came through and exuded to her out of that photograph that just hung there on the wall and she looked and she turned around and walked out. She realized in that moment, my mother has not forgotten me. She hasn't cast me away. The lips seemed to open up and whisper, come home. I forgive you. I love you still. And the poor girl, she sank down overwhelmed with feelings because she was, in fact, that prodigal daughter. The sight of her mother's face had broken her heart. She became truly, truly penitent of her sins. And with a heart full of sorrow and shame, she returned to her home that she had forsaken. 
and mother and daughter were reunited again. I wonder if in that prodigal son's mind, if somehow he didn't think of his father's face. I know that the times where I was out doing my own thing and I was living in sin, oftentimes it's almost like the Lord would bring the faces of my parents to me, my father, my mother, because I knew where they stood and I knew where I was. And I knew I wasn't in the place where I should be with the Lord. Brothers and sisters, if we could somehow imagine today the power of forgiveness is so great. The Father has projected His own face toward humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus wants us to recognize today his great love for humanity. The Father wants us to understand the love that has been bestowed. On each one of us. The end result of every one of these parables is three letters. J-O-Y. Joy. Each one of them end with great joy and celebration. Each one of them end with such a wonderful and a powerful sense of how God feels about those who will come home and those who will come into the kingdom of God. And brothers and sisters, there is no joy like somebody at the close of a meeting deciding that they need to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. This is why, folks, our work isn't done here. Our work isn't done. Every pew should be full. Every seat should be full with people who need to know Jesus Christ. You say, well, I just want to come to this church and not be bothered by anything else. God, help us if we don't want to be bothered because our work is not done. We need to listen. There are many churches in this city and yet all of these churches are but a drop in the bucket of how many people are still roaming around, wandering around without Christ. God has called us to something greater. He has called us to be a reflection of the love and the mercy of God. He has called us to be instruments of his forgiveness and his grace to humanity. Listen, folks, our work isn't done. If so, we, we can get into a comfort zone here in our church if we're not careful. We can get into the place where it's just, we say, well, it's just, just a place for Christians to meet together, gather together. Hallelujah. We've got all that, you know, we get, our, get out our Christianese and we get out our, our, you know, our jargon, our spiritual jargon. Oh, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Well, I'm glad you're blessed. But are you worried about those who are out on the street doing their own thing? Are you worried about the homeless man who is wandering up and down and doesn't have a way out? Are you concerned about the prodigal son who has rejected his parents to the point where now he's dropped out of high school? He's out on the street doing his own thing thing. He's wandering about wondering if anybody really cares. Brothers and sisters our work is not done because there is a father in heaven who loves with an everlasting love and he will not let them go and we shouldn't let them go either. Can we bow our heads this morning?